Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that help that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. The color of green, the man of the hour. Yep. It's the color of money. <laughs> Welcome everybody to our podcast. We're going to be talking about Southwest Airlines as you saw in the title. Um, let's do a quick disclaimer, shall we, Hari? Yeah. So... Um, this podcast is focused on educating you on the way that value investors um, invest. Uh, we don't know your financial situation. Um, and so, you know, you should use this as a, uh, a tool to help you learn and then consult with the financial advisor uh, for any, you know, financial decisions that you want to make. Mm-hmm. That's right. Don't listen to us, but listen to us. <laughs> awesome. Let's go ahead. Let's uh, get this going. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about um, a, uh, a user uh, request, um, Southwest Airlines. So, uh, Becca, why don't you tell us, um, you know, so first off, we're going down our value investor checklist. The checklist is something that you can follow along with if you send us an email, info at valueinvestor.org. Um, alternatively, if you want to... Um, uh, you can also uh, reach us on Twitter at Value Investor TV. Um, both places you can ask for the checklist or ask us questions. Or if you want to be like uh, Carlton, who uh, sent in the request, you can get uh, us to cover a, a, a company on on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that note, thank you, Carl- Carlton, uh, for sending us a you know, uh, sending us the request and also following us on Twitter. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. We're really trying to build a community um, of value investors online. So uh, any help would uh, really would, would really uh, be great. Yeah. So, Becco, let's uh, let's move on to um, Southwest Airlines for the uh, three people on the pod- podcast who haven't heard of <laughs> what Southwest Airlines is. Tell yeah. us. Tell us what they do. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Southwest Airlines is domestic mostly domestic they have a few international flights but mostly domestic um kind of budget airline so they fly uh, on on a, on a on a economic scale they're relatively more more affordable than other kind of bigger um you know more beefier uh, airlines they're also really known for their culture their transparency as they call it yep um they started in 1971 only flying in three cities in texas houston San Antonio and Dallas, and then they're now all over the country, and they're now expanding to locations like Hawaii, which is, which is what we'll talk about later on. But. Yeah, and uh, and small uh, after an acquisition of AirTran, they uh, got some international travel to um, you know some Caribbean destinations, exactly. Mexico, that kind of thing. Exactly. So uh, ju- yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I think there's. Um, you know, we should also mention, you know, from, you know, you were talking a little bit about that culture, the, their founder, Herb Kelleher, was mm-hmm. kind of a maverick in the way that, you know, they do things, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, tell us a little bit about their, uh, you know, they don't operate off of a traditional hub, hub and spoke kind of, you know, setup. Uh, so so tell us that how that works. Yeah, so the hub and spoke, there's, there are a few things that they really do well, and that's why, the, you know, like I said, the transparency is one, the culture is one, the operational efficiency, uh, all those things really make what Southwest, you know, really, th- those are the things what, what really makes Southwest. And one of the things that they really champion has been, like you said, Maverick about is the operational efficiency. And the way to get to that is their hub and spoke model. So 
uh, or sorry, uh, point to point model. Hub and spoke is the is the model that a lot of like, a lot of big carriers use. For example, United or American Airlines. You gave a great example. Uh, so for example, American Airlines. Um, if you want to go somewhere, you would most likely go through one of the hub cities. For example, right. Chicago or what's a big one for American? Uh, Dallas. Dallas is, yeah, yeah. I, I think it may be New York. New most York. most cities ha- or most airlines use New York as a hub, right. Just because of the popularity of the yeah. city. And then if you are thinking about United, you're most likely going to go through, for example, Houston or Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So that's the that's the hub and spoke model. Southwest does it differently, right? Southwest does it. Uh, he, they use the model called point to point. So let's say you want to go to Los Angeles from Houston. You would stop by Phoenix and then go to Los Angeles instead of going to, you know, instead of flying to Chicago or Dallas and then from there going to uh, Los Angeles. So it's much more efficient. Um, although they do have, you know, a few not non nonstop direct flights, um, but it's a lot of, you know, if you book a flight, it's a lot of it's going to be, a, a, you know, one or two layovers in these cities. Not yeah, not necessarily, but uh, for the most part, your layover will be. You know, it's a two to three hour flight is what they target. Yep. And then they're trying to hit those two to three hour windows uh, wherever you go. But they're sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. Exactly. Um, yeah. Approximate, you know, a fun factoid about Southwest, an average trip is approximately two hours. So yep. like you said, um, it's very much, very, very managed to right. the nitty gritty, like the flight time. Yeah. And I also want to point out, in terms of the operational efficiency, we talked about point to point as one of the ways they achieve operational efficiency. Another way they achieve operational efficiency is by using one type of airplanes. Right. So their sole supplier of airplanes is Boeing. And within Boeing, they only use one type of airplane, and that's 737, Boeing 737. So they have different flavors of 737, so 737-800 series or 737 MAX 8 series. So the, the different flavors. MAX 8 has been in the news um, you know, lately because of the accidents. We'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, one of the things that they really point out is because they're using only one type of airline, they can really drive that operational efficiency. So what does that mean, right? It means, uh, you know, the parts. If something breaks down, you have you know, all the mechanics really know what's going on for different planes, so you can really uh, work on them quickly. Um, you know, in, in terms of seating, you know, because you're working with the same type of airplanes, um, you know, you don't have to mess around with different types of you know, you know, optimizing for different airplanes, things like that. Yeah, and that that also leads to you know, training for mechanics is simpler. You know, you don't have um, you know, it's easy to swap pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of pilots will train on the same plane, mm-hmm. you know, and only fly one type of large commercial airline, right. which is why, um, you know, when they had the Dreamliner, Boeing had the Dreamliner come out, they had a lot of pilots who trained on it and then couldn't fly until, you know, everything was sorted out. Yeah. Um, and so this, you know, the 737s, as far as I know, the Boeing, anything in that 737 line you can fly if you train on one, you can fly on the other. So, yeah. um, so I, what I think it really comes down to is for these planes, it, they only have to have one type of training, one type of, you know, so it's effectively, they're not, you know, micromanaging different, you know, pilots or having different groups. It's, you learn this, you can fly any flight that flight that Southwest goes on. And I mean, if you listen to the, the stewardesses and the, the pilots, 
they kind of just hop around, you know, That's they'll true. fly one f- leg of the journey mm-hmm. and then they may hop off and go somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, and then they end up ho- at home, you know, to, to sleep at night because, and they've flown o- all over the country, you know, just doing that. So, yeah. you know, however, they, they, they don't really mention that in the, the annual report, how they do this, but all of the pilots, everyone is kind of interchangeable. Like That's they true. can, they'll never run out of this type of pilot for this plane. And then you have to change planes just to get on to, um, you know, which I've had to do numerous times, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Yeah. So just to summarize, I mean, the simple scheduling, right? Maintenance is it's easier flight operations, like you mentioned, and then training activities. Those are the, those are the benefits that you get from using a single type of aircraft. Yeah. Boeing 737. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, we talk about operational, operational efficiency as one of their, uh, you know, competitive advantage, uh, right? Competitive advantage being one of the checklist items that we have to go through, uh, you know, the concept of moat that Warren Buffett always talks about. Southwest Airlines, you know, we talked about using one single air- airplane or to one type of air- air- aircraft. And then the hub and spoke, instead of hub and spoke, using point to point. There are a few things that I do want to point out about Southwest that's very different. And that is, um, one of the things is they're using the secondary slash downtown airplane um, um Downtown airports. Um, so, for example, in Houston, um, you know, we have the Houston Hobby Airport, which is closer to the city metropolitan metropolitan area, and you have the International uh, Bush Inter- Intercontinental Airport, which is you know ways out. So, uh, in that sense, um, and, and this this sort of structure, you know, Southwest mainly actually only flies out of Houston Hobby Airport, which is closer to the downtown, which is a secondary airport, smaller airport. Yeah, and um, you know the and because they're using downtown airports, it's better for customers, right? Better for user experience. I don't have to travel way out outside the city, right. but also it's a smaller city. Or it's a smaller airport, so the turnaround time for airplanes is it's quicker. Um, you know, it's, it's probably cheaper to operate in these, uh, smaller, uh, secondary airport airports. Yeah. So it really gives them a lot of leg, a leg up in, in operational efficiency in that way too. Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we'll talk about as we go through this, mm-hmm. um, you know, about the, the business itself and how they're, they're, they're kind of migrating to, and how they're you know positioning themselves for growth but let's let's talk about their competitive advantages sure because i think that's kind of also telling about how and we we've talked about um you know moats a lot in this you know on this podcast and i think this is one of the the telling things about a business is you know for me to fly from point a to point b is kind of a you know is a it's a commodity, right? Transportation is a commodity in a lot of ways, but you know, somehow airlines have, have kind of built it around with loyalty rewards and things like that. But the loyalty rewards doesn't necessarily trans it may translate into repeat business, but not necessarily, um, uh, profit. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, Southwest airlines has been profitable for, you know, basically, yeah, thirty something years yeah. now, right? Which is unheard of in the airline industry, mm-hmm. and that is because of this, you know, low cost advantage. So let's let's talk about moats here for mm-hmm. for a second. So starting with, uh, you know, what do you see as as their 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 moats? Yeah, uh, well, you talk. Yeah, I think you mentioned one 
Low-cost provider is definitely one of the elements of their competitive advantage. Uh, competitive advantage. So when I shop around Southwest Airlines, when I shop around airplanes or flights, I mean, it's rare that I find a price that's, that, that can top um, Southwest. Yeah. Know, it, it is really cheap. And, and so, yeah, like the operational efficiency we talked about in the front end of this podcast, those translates into... Um, you know, satisfaction from customers because the flights are so cheap. But well, also, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we, we've mentioned that they're cheap, right? But cheap, not where you feel gross, yeah. you know? So like Spirit Airlines is, you know, they nickel and dime you the whole way. Yeah. And, um, and they mentioned this in the annual report too, that a lot of the air co- airlines are now doing um, yeah. what they call, uh, you know, the, the, the budget uh, kind of friendly, you know, type of... Uh, flights right and those budget friendly types are uh, essentially you know you pay a very small fee to get on the plane yep. and then uh you know you have to take a uh you know a, a carry-on bag or you know you know to, s- to not sit in the middle yep. you know all of this stuff they they charge you for it um you know southwest doesn't do that right so y- it's it is still cheap but you don't feel cheated or you don't feel, you know, like you're nickel and dime. You're being nickel and dime, which yeah. I think a lot of people. There's some people who have no problem with that, and then there are others who are are frustrated by that kind of experience, right? Yeah. So Southwest, I don't think I, I've never felt that way, mm-hmm. right? So, but I, I think it's d- important to distinguish between low cost and you know that value type of for uh, sure you know thing, right? Because just because United charges you only $40 to get on the plane doesn't necessarily mean that they make money off of that flight, right? They're just filling the bodies in the seats, and then they're hoping that you... I, I can guarantee you they're not making money on a $40 flight. They're making money on you booking, a, checking in a bag and that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right, which is very high margin for them. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah, so it, in that regard, let's let's talk. go back to that, what we were talking about. Southwest yeah. is a... Is it value, but not necessarily at the lowest end of the value spectrum? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So they're not the lowest. They're not like budget air, like like you said, Spirit Airlines or something like that. Right. But they also are not, you know, extor- ex- you know exor- exorbitantly expensive, like, you yeah. know, for example, United. That doesn't provide a lot of value. So right in the middle of that spectrum and price is where Southwest sits. Right. And so, that, so again, t- kind of to your point about competitive advantage, um, you know, low cost provider with value is is their advantage. But I want to speak more to the value end of things, uh, and and that's why uh, and that's and that's where I want to bring up the concept of uh, culture and kind of brand here. Yeah. Right. You talked about not being cheated, not feeling like you're being cheated. Um, you know, this this idea of um, you know taking care of, taking care of people, taking care of your customers, really loving the experience is really part of Southwest's brand. Yeah. So I mean, they're ticker is love LEG, which i found interesting and they're and they're and they're um one of their main main airports in dallas uh, uh is love field so i mean they really champion by the way united's ticker is hate <laughs> actually it's not but um but, oh, oh yeah but it but you do feel that way when yeah. you're on united right I'm, like th- i think they actively hate you yeah so. i mean I, I was just talking to one of my friends yesterday and they said honestly i hate united i never fly united yeah you know, our, our our podcast isn't to just bash on United as a as a customer. Actually, but th- that's the only reason I started this, Becca. <laughs> I wanted a platform to only bash United. Only Airlines. bash United. Yeah. <laughs> but all, all that to say, though, like 
you, Southwest, the experience on Southwest is just it's just leaps and bounds better than everybody else in the yeah. industry. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to understand. I have never found a business that treats customer service that you know takes customer service very seriously that is a bad investment. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I, I've never found one, and I think the reason for that is is that if you value the customer above all else, then you figure out ways on the back end to make that work, mm-hmm. right? Companies that don't do that tend to be, you know, they're fixated on things that are not important to the thing. If you don't have customers, you don't have a business, right? That's, exactly. that is a fundamental part of, you know, of, of running things. But I think what gets lost in that is short-term, you know, profits, cutting down your, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face in a lot of ways, right? I think the biggest thing that you see here is that Southwest really takes their customers seriously. Mm-hmm. And then that translates into very happy employees, right? You look at their employees, they're, they are joking and they're kind of, yeah. you know, things are fun when you get yeah. on the plane. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've even had, uh, they have articles about how, um, you know, in their Southwest magazine where, you know, Southwest weddings where people got, together you know they sat next to each other on the plane because of their open seating policy and then they got married you know and they have you know have they'll you know interview the couples and you know that kind of they have a very fun culture about their business right and i think that translates into the workers being happy you know and then the people who work there you know when i worked in the you know before i I went to medical school i worked for a company that made software Mm -hmm. and one of our customers was southwest and you know we whenever we interacted with them they were always happy we had a we went to a golf tournament with them it was always fun to be around mm-hmm. southwest employees they seemed to always have fun and it translated into their business yeah for sure i think that's really you know when we talk about this whether you want to call it the brand moat or an intangible asset right but culture is impossible to replicate right like and then that translating into your customer being happy, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, like you said, culture or intangible asset, whatever you want to call it, or brand, it certainly does translate into happy customers and happy employees, and all those things make up a great, you know, impenetrable quote unquote uh, moat. Yeah, and I, I think what it translates also into is their people stay with you know the brand because if there's I mean, I, I've done this myself. There are flights where I have to take, where I could get a direct flight on United, or I could take one stop on Southwest, and I take the Southwest every time because I'm like, I'm an Asian doctor. I may get <laughs> dragged down the aisle. So, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, wanna go down there. So, no, I, but I mean, more, more seriously, I, I think it's it translates into better a better experience, yeah. and that. People are willing to pay yeah. a little more for that, and but at the end of the day, Southwest, if you book early, you're not paying much. Yeah, for it's not it, that so. more expensive. So exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I think that gives us a kind of a, you know, I mean, anything else to say about the moat, um, you know, aspect of it? I'll just say one more thing about the delighting the customer because I think I, you know, I, I recently saw a video of Warren Buffett talking about this. You know, delighting customers is so important because when you delight customers, not only satisfy customers, but delight customers, what they will do is they'll go out and live their lives and be a salesman for you. Yeah. Think about that. Think about the power of that. Every customer that you 
it's like these you know, salesmen not on your uh, you know they're not getting paycheck you know they're not they're not on your on your payroll but at the same time they're out there living their lives but championing that southwest is the best airline you should fly southwest every time think about the power of that and that's what exa- that's what happened here no, I mean, listen to us. We're talking about them like there we're, you, go. you know, we've both flown that airline. We prefer that airline. And that's, you know, that's what we're saying. And why you're hearing us talk about it like that is this culture that they've built. And it may cost them a little extra to do that. Mm-hmm. But the reward, I think, is, you know, yeah. and, you know, it just keeps giving. Exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a very powerful thing that when you have a culture that people are happy to work in absolutely um and and then that translates into everything mm-hmm. down the line mm-hmm. you know um they even i think they even mentioned it in the annual report that they're the number of complaints is down year over that's year. right you know that's it was right. a big deal for them it is a big know. deal it's like the first thing the front and center thing that they mentioned early yeah. on yeah in the annual report okay so i think we've probably answered this already but how how durable uh is this advantage and you know how long do you think it can last i think it's quite durable right i mean the culture is very excuse me yeah southwest has been around for you know for 30 40 years now and they've been able to establish this moat for a long time built out the built you know built out the moat and then establish and then maintaining the moat it takes a lot of effort and they have done that successfully well and i think in the meet in that time the airline industry is consolidated significantly, right? Yeah. So there are fewer players in the in the space. You don't hear about airlines popping up left and right, right? They're not like tech companies where the cost to start is very low, right? I mean, even if you and I wanted to start an airline, you know, we would have to have at least, I mean, they had three planes. Let's say it's three planes that you have to start with. Three planes is going to cost you millions, mm-hmm. right? So it's not something that you can just wake up one day and, and just do, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's expensive to start a yeah. to an airline. So I don't see new entrants coming in and just sweeping them, you know, out the, out their legs out from under them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the bigger companies can kind of shift to this model. They've tried it in the '90s unsuessfully to to kind of run the point to point setup. So. So really, I mean, I think it's a very strong moat. I think know? so too. And I was talking to a friend, like I said early in the podcast. I think one of the things that that we're seeing now is a lot of the kind of personal flights. Like if I want to go somewhere on a personal on a personal level for personal yeah. reasons, I definitely fly Southwest. But for a lot for a lot for a lot of corporate travels, people do United because of the points, because of the legacy points. Right. Right. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, just a divergence of the market. In, in that in that way yeah yeah well and i think the legacy points is going to be interesting to see how long that lasts you know if people just if i can get everywhere with southwest and i use it for personal then give me the points and then i'll use them for my from corporate and then i'll use them for personal so, right um okay uh let's uh let's kind of talk about this for long-term prospects you know southwest has been around for a long time yep and at this point, they cover, you know, there aren't new areas that they can go to, you know, to really expand. You know, right. they bought AirTran. So what what do you think their long-term prospects are Yeah, for, grow, for growing their business? Right. Uh, yeah. One of the things that they mentioned they're really kind of really deliberate about is only expanding, only expanding kind of 
in a regional level. So the farthest the farthest they'll they'll go right now is 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 the Mediterranean? Not Mediterranean. Sorry, uh, it's the Gulf Coast. Right. Uh, the Caribbean. Yeah. That's the farthest they'll go. So, in terms of like expanding to other markets, for example, flying to Europe or Asia or even South America, it's not it's it's not something they're not really they're, it's not something they're focused on, and yeah. they're deliberate about that because of their operational operational efficiency we talked about earlier. Right. And so, in terms of the runway, in terms of the growth runway, I don't see a huge growth runway. But at the same time, their operational efficiency is so great that they might be able to get a bigger pie, bigger chunk of the pie domestically. Yeah, and I think they mentioned that as expand their operations in California, do more point-to-point flights in California. Yeah. Um, I think they have less penetration in the West Coast than they do um, South or yeah, in the South or in the mid- Midwest. So I think they have opportunities for growth domestically, expand Hawaii, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. But we're not talking about, I mean, they're already a large company, right? You know, $20 billion company. So uh, yeah, expansion is not going to be 25% a year, <laughs> right? On the top line, right? right? Um, but when we, we'll talk about this from the, when we talk about free cash flow, um, because how they're, they're using their money actually will affect um, their bottom line growth, which I think is is very valuable. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so let's talk about capital reinvestment. So, you know, a big part of businesses that you know are um, asset light versus asset heavy. Mm-hmm. What what is required from a capital reinvestment standpoint for them to maintain their business? Yeah. A few things. Obviously, the obvious one is the airline or the aircraft itself, right? Yeah. So in the annual report. They mention a. They have a table that shows you how many of the Max Eight and other uh, Max Eight Seven Thirty Seven um, air, aircrafts there were going to order. I know yeah. that probably have shifted now because of the the incident. And they've mentioned that it's going to be disruptive to their quarterly yeah. earnings. You know that they've had yeah. the Boeing thing. So. Yeah, I mean this is pretty telling here. Let's 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 read through this table. So in, 2019, in 2019, they were going to order tw- 21, uh, 21 MAX 8 firm, uh, firm orders. By 2025, they were going to order additional 40. And so the years in between, they're ordering somewhere between you know, 20 to 35 to, to 40. And so you think about that. I mean, you're ordering that many aircrafts. Which to, is still only your, about 5% of the fleet, though. Just yeah, you know, I mean, they're slowly replacing their fleet with yeah. with with more of these. But. Yeah, and then the reason for replacing that is for fuel efficiency, by the way. Yeah, but but still, they're you know they're getting you know forty aircrafts every year, a new one. So it's going to be pretty disruptive with the new Boeing, a new, a new Boeing Max uh, incident. But yeah. again, to your point about capital reinvestment, this is this is the price you have to pay to be an air air uh, you know air, airline in the, to be in the airline industry. Right. And not only this, you have to pay. Uh, leasing fees for the using for using the air, airports, and also a lot of t- a lot of times Southwest will go into agreement with the local municipali- municipalities to renovate their airports. Exactly. So, for example, Houston Hobby Southwest has huge presence there, so they'll work with the Houston Hobby Air Corporation or the you know, yeah. I think they basically the entire airport is Hobby or is a uh, is Southwest. Yeah, so. I think there's like some like Delta in there as yeah. well, but they. You know, you know, things like that. Like, for example, Del- Dallas Love Field, uh, the company is guaranteeing 
principal, premium, and interest on $456 million in bond. And it's, it's, and that is issued by Luffield Airport Moderation Corporation. So things like this is the price you have to pay to be in this industry. Well, and then also to, to maintain your aircraft too is not, you know, free. Yeah. Right. So exactly. you, you got to pay money to make sure that the air, airplanes are safe and, and all that. And yeah. in 2018, they did have a maintenance issue that led to a, their first, you know, death, mm. um, which, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's an admirable safety record for, you know, that long of time that they didn't have any issues, but you know, these things are, you know, they have to not only, you know, when they see this, now they've stepped up their game to, to spend more money to protect, you know, their customers and things like that. And then, you know, going forward, is this max eight thing going to be a, are they going to back away from this Boeing relationship? Because now we're finding out that Boeing and Southwest had some, you know, there was Boeing wasn't telling them the whole story about you know the the airplane and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. a lot of interesting things there that we can talk about, and that actually leads into our uh, question about relationships that they have with. Um, you know, I, I think we've mentioned this, but customers and yeah, you know, any and no no relationship problems there. Yeah, but suppliers, you know, Boeing is the the sole supplier sole supplier for their airplane, yeah. right? Uh, so is there a potential problem there? Yeah, I think that's that's one thing that I wanted to point out earlier was that because they're so reliant, they're so relying on Boeing for all the, all of their entirety of their their fleet. Yeah. You know, some mismanagement of the relationship could really damage, could really pull them back. Right, and that's what we're seeing here. And because a lot of their operating efficiency is tied to that Boeing relationship, right, flying their planes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the. A risk, I just don't see it as being a big risk because it's not like Boeing is going to, you know, f- f- go away tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so, and, and then um, employees, you know, um, there was a, a mechanics uh, union dispute. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, there, um, you know, again, kind of relationship management. Um, how is the relationship? The question of how is the relationship between the management and the employees? I think all, overall it's quite good. Yeah. Right. There are instances where you know people will put together you know, a union and you know people you know will fight back the management, but over, overall it's it's quite good. But one thing to note is that about eighty percent of the workforce, eighty three percent of their workforce, is in unions. So the unions range from the pilots. The pilots have their own union. Flight attendants, uh, customer service agents have their own unions. So the list goes on. Dispatchers. Um, so 83% of the un- uh, the workers are unionized, but at the same time, they're, everyone's pretty relatively happy yeah. where they are. So I don't see that as a, as a big risk. Yeah, okay. The, I, I don't think there's anything really too glaring there. I mean... E- e- the reason that we have this checklist is that to go over this and make sure that they're not missing anything. Mm. And I would say the only thing that I would ever be concerned about with a company like this is could the, could any of these things disrupt them? And there's always scenarios where it could, you know, the pilots go on strike, you know, um, that kind of stuff. As far as we can tell, there there are no outstanding labor issues that we have to worry about. So, um, okay. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of you know, episode uh, here for, you know, part one for Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't you uh, close this out? Okay. Well, awesome, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. 
Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. We'll be talking about the financials, the management, and lastly, the valuation. So stick around. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.